0: college band is good I've got to tell you I I, I'm having so much fun Uh, Christmas Eve I did a thing with the kids if you were here just it's very simple talked about being when when you're broken how Jesus puts it together and I had a napkin and put a toothpick in it fold it let them let them break the toothpick so Jesus takes us in his hands and open the napkin and the toothpick us whole. It's a very simple magic trick. Afterwards, a little girl was kind of following me around. And I, I kind of sat down and she said, how did you do that? I looked around to make sure nobody was looking. And I said, can you keep a secret? She lit up. Yes, I said. So can I. And I walked away. <laughs> If you can't mess with kids, why have them? <laughs> so if you want kindness, you have called the wrong guy. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, Christmas, whoa, Christmas is so, uh, we, we, we've been together enough, we're kind of sharing our lives, and you know that our, our daughter and son-in-law uh, adopted two, two, two young kids and one and a half and a baby, and so this is our first Christmas with, with, the, with, our grand, with these grandkids. That I'm convinced they market grandparents. When you walk through stores, everything, everything is so cute. Grandparents just go, well, get. And I would blame my wife, but I'm as bad. This is great, Get this, get this, get this, We went, we went crazy. The best part, it's free. You give them this card, they swipe it, and you walk out. <laughs> it's a freebie. <laughs> so yeah, we had, we had a great time, so uh, we'll be taking an offering for Gene a little later. In fact, I was thinking about what Chandra shared. That 42 granddaughter just about cover it <laughs> for the tanners this Christmas. So I, I trust that your family's had an incredible time. We, we, had, a, we had an incredible time with our grandsons. And it was so much fun. At family, it's where, where the laughter is, where, where the joy is. But that's ground zero. It's, it's, it's where spiritual battles are happening. Satan has declared the family the place and the home the place to attack. That's why the next few weeks we're going to be talking about family. There's a lot of heartaches in families. Good Christian homes across our nation are splitting. It's amazing because there's so many books on family, ad infinitum. You go to any Christian bookstore, you've got to hack your way through the family section. So much good information. Barging you with every good thing there is about the family. Books, CDs, DVDs, sermons. And yet something is wrong. Satan seems to be winning a weird war in redefining homes and families. And so typically when we talk about family, we go to Ephesians chapter 5. And we may be starting at the wrong verse. We tend to start at verse 22, where it says, wives, here's your role. Then we go on to verse 25, and then it talks about husbands, here's your role. Then we get to chapter 6, children. And then verse 4, the role of parents with children. We get all all these nuts and bolts, the pragmatic parts of family. But maybe we're missing something. Maybe we're missing the foundation. We're building this building of husbands and wives and kids. And we haven't gone back to the foundation. And maybe the foundation is the most important part. Because when that's right, then you can build the building right. In order to grasp the foundation, maybe we got to go all the way back to verse 18 of Ephesians 5. Want you to see it, Ephesians 5 18. Be not drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but filled with the Holy Spirit. This kicks off the section leading us up to verse 22, where it gets into dads and kids. And when we understand these verses, it helps us understand the foundation, the underpinning of the family. Now, Theologians tell us Ephesians, you can cut in half exactly. Ephesians is six chapters. You can take a knife. The first three chapters is about one thing. The next three chapters is about another thing. The first three chapters is salvation. What salvation is, the blessings of salvation. The first three chapters are coming to Christ. The next three chapters is the behavior of those who come to Christ, living their life. So it's within this section of the behavior that we have the, the, the home and family. And it's all predicated beginning with that key 18th verse. And that 18th verse is about that big word, five syllables, sanctification. First reading it, you feel like that had nothing to do with sanctification. Look again. I want you to see it one more time. Ephesians 5, 18. Be not drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You've probably heard it before. But we may not grasp it because we don't realize this is a cultural verse. Cultural verses sometimes throw us because we don't don't really get it. We feel like, well, don't be drunk with wine. That's a verse on temperance. No, it's not. There are a lot of verses dealing with misuse of alcohol, but this is not one of them. In fact, this is one of the great sanctification verses in the entire Bible. It's a couplet. This versus that. Not drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the question is, Why that comparison? That's a dumb comparison. Comparing being drunk with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is writing to a culture dominated by the Greek thinking, Ephesus. And there's so many bizarre stories, and they're maybe one of the most important stories because Ephesus is where this particular temple is. It's dominated. It's a myth about their greatest God, Zeus. Zeus gave birth to a son in the most amazing way. The child was in the womb of Semele. And Semele came into Zeus's presence without being called for, without being summoned, which was a death sentence. So she is in the process of being killed for coming into his presence, and it dawns on Zeus, she's carrying my child. So while she's being killed, he reaches in and grabs the unborn from her womb and has it sewn into his thigh. The infant, once born is destined by Zeus to be the ruler of those on earth. Now, it's not us. At this time, according to the mythology, those on earth were the Titans. And they realized, once this baby is born, he's our ruler. And so as soon as the baby was born, long story short, the Titans kidnapped the baby because they didn't want the ruler. And they're in the process of tearing the baby limb from limb. Zeus sees this, reaches down, And grabs the heart. Bizarre, right? And he swallows the heart. The plot thickens. And the child that is finally born out of of Zeus is the god Dionysus. And then in fury, Zeus blasts the Titans for what they've done. And from their ashes comes an inferior race, mankind. There's more to it, but that's a snapshot story of, of, of Greek mythology of where we came from. It's, a story, it's our story to them. It's where mankind came to it, came. Now you're saying, that's stupid. How on earth could those people buy into anything that crazy? Oh, back up there, cowboys. Look at us. Well, there was this. Bang! And from this bang came millions of stars and and there was this one star that had matter going around it, and we were part of that matter and, and Earth and, and we rotated around at exactly the right angle that 's a, that's a good bang to where we didn 't if we were closer we 'd burn up, and if we were farther away we 'd freeze, and the angle was exactly right and a billion, zillion, quadrillion years ago, it was water, and there was matter in the water. And over the course of millions and millions and millions of years, that matter began to say, I don't want to be in water anymore. And that matter crawled out on, on the earth and said, I, I don't want my tail. So a zillion years, the tail's gone. And it, it began to walk, and, and there, there were monkeys, and, and, and we, we, we evolved out, out of monkeys. And it raises terrible questions. What was there to create the bang? And if we evolve from monkeys, why are there still monkeys? And if evolution is ongoing, it has to to be ongoing to to sustain itself. If it's ongoing, then there are monkeys who are going to turn into human beings someday. It has to. When did evolution stop? See, so don't get too crazy about those that believe that we, we came from the ashes of titans. we got some pretty weird stories ourselves. The problem is, without God, you are forced to create a story of us. Without God. you got to say, so therefore, where are we from? Without God, you must manufacture a story of our story. How did we begin? So don't look down too far on those Greeks. Now, Ephesus is where the temple of this Dionysus, the God that that, that was, was the ruler of us, the temple of Dionysus, is in Ephesus so as he's writing to Ephesians I mean this is their home court and it totally saturated the Roman world it was based on ecstasy Dionysus was their god and they would come to worship Dionysus eat the flesh of the mystic bull there'd be orgies atrocities human organs what went on it was crazy and part of that worship was drunkenness they believed that as you became drunk it elevated you somehow to commune with God, to commune with Dionysus. As you became drunk, something happened to you. One of, their, one of their favorite phrases was to Dionysus, Come thou Savior. He's also known by his Roman, Roman name, Bacchus. There are today Bacchus wine, wine shops. So remember, Dionysus, to us it's a crazy story, it's a myth. We know it's a myth, no big deal. To them, it's real. This is truth. This is where you came from. And Dionysus is our God. And the key, they believed, when you became drunk, you therefore had a better ability to connect with Dionysus. Drunkenness equaled the ability to connect with God. So Paul is hitting them in their home court. He's saying, if you want to commune with God, you don't do it by being drunk. You do it by being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, it's not really a verse on temperance. He's comparing their false religion with the reality of communing through God. He's comparing their false myth with the reality of the Holy Spirit, allowing us to actually commune with God. If you want to commune with God, don't do it by drunkenness, which was their belief. Do it by the Holy Spirit. So he's comparing Dionysian orgies, debauchery, with the sweet, holy, joyful peace. Not being filled with wine, which leads to debauchery, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the key is, a true God working in your life is via the Holy Spirit. If you want to know God more, Holy Spirit's the door. If you want more of God, Holy Spirit's the door. If you want to grow spiritually, Holy Spirit's the door. So let's glean some things from that verse, because it's a kicker verse. Because that verse opens up everything on family. Remember, second half of Ephesians is our behavior of the redeemed. If God, if the Holy Spirit is holy, it is, if God's holy, then kind of logically, in order to bring us together, we're called to a level of holy. That's what 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 is all about. I want you to see it. But just as he who has called you is holy, so now be holy. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. What's that? Do we just say, I'm serving God? I guess I'm holy now. What is it? Would somebody one time just cry out loud define this thing? It's a life where sin is dealt with. It's where we live our life in kingdom. He's been called, thy kingdom come. Seek ye first the kingdom. Kingdom is living my life in such a way that God receives glory. Living my life in such a way that God receives glory. Every moment of my life. It's designed around God receiving glory. And the kicker is a surrender of me. You're saying, you know something? I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. Praise God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not somehow belittling that or, my, or, or marginalizing that. God, come into my life, forgive my sins. That is the dominant prayer of your life. But I haven't already surrendered. I've invited him in. Having my sins forgiven, praise God. But it's almost like I put him in my backpack. And you can now come along with me as we tiptoe through the tulips. He's coming along and "Uh, saying, uh-uh-uh. Now you're in a position to really lift off. The trajectory is now in position to where you actually surrender. Have you come to him and said, thank you for forgiving my sins. I surrender my life. I surrender my kids. I surrender my future. There's a, I hate cliches, but this is, a, this, is a, this is one that people seem to understand. We're now inviting him not to be the resident, but the president. I know, cliches. But sometimes that really helps us to grasp there is a surrender called for. It's not living a life of sin, but having Jesus just kind of in there. This is what Romans 8.4 is really all about. I want you to see it. Blessings on those who do not live according to their sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Now, the key here is the first word, blessings. Anytime the Bible says blessings on whatever, it's always talking about the saved. It's always talking about those that have brought Christ into their life. It's it's talking to the church. You have to have a relationship with Christ at some level in order to be blessed. If you don't have any relationship with Christ, every verse dealing with blessings has nothing to do with you. I'm not trying to be unkind here, but you're on your own without Christ. There's logic here. Why on earth would he bless you if you don't want him? Why on earth would he offer blessings if you've rejected him? But once we brought him into our life, once we begin this journey, once we begin this wonderful passageway... Then all those verses dealing with blessings now begin to come into play with us. Who has blessings on those who talking to us, the church, who do not live according to their sinful nature, but live according to the Spirit. That's surrender. I don't live according to sin life, even though I brought Jesus in. He's not just merely in my backpack. We're not just kind of partners. He is my life. I live according to the Spirit. It's surrender. I hate that bumper sticker, Jesus is my co-pilot. I always want to tap on the window. and go, change seats. If you're really believing he's interested in being the co-pilot, you have totally misunderstood everything in Scripture. Asking him to forgive my sins begins this incredible journey of surrender. Blessings on those. He now impacts my life, which means he impacts my home. No wonder this verse is the kicker, the foundation that begins before we ever talk about the role of husbands and wives. And we're going to do that next week. Or raising our kids two weeks from now. We're going to talk about that. But before we even go there, we got to go here. It's no accident that this precedes every nuts and bolts about husbands and wives and kids and how we design and build our homes. So let's keep building on this a little bit as we saw in, la- in the last series, know Jesus. Everything begins with He is holy. He is pure eyes; does not look upon iniquity. There's no sin, no darkness in Him. God cannot lie. There's no flaw in Him, no evil in Him. He tempts no man. He is absolute holiness and purity. He is holy. So to commune with Him through the Holy Spirit calls for a level of holiness in us. There's that checkpoint where we're constantly brought face to face to the cross. He has died for me. I give myself to him. And the problem is, we don't really deal with sin and face sin because we get away with it. Grace is so amazing, we kind of trade on grace. We're so used to grace that we can't get in our head that God acts in justice at times. We're so used to grace that when he acts in justice, we think he's unjust. Because our definitions get all screwy. We forget the holiness of God. That's why the Old Testament wigs us out. Why did he do the things he did? He goes in into nations, conquers nations, and says, kill them all. The slaying of Nadab and Abihu on the day of their ordination because they were drunk, dead. Remember last week, Uzzah just touched the ark to help, dead. What kind of God is this? He kills. So when you ask the wrong question, you're guaranteed the wrong answer. The question we tend to ask is, God, why'd you kill those people? Well, you're going to get a messy answer because that's the wrong question. Technically, the right question would be, God, why did you let anybody live? God is holy and will not tolerate sin. At the point of my sin, the wages of sin is death. At the point of my sin, I should have died. It's a capital offense. The wages of sin, I am here by grace alone. I never, ever pray to God, God, give me what I deserve. Oh, no way. No way. And I would challenge you, never go before God and say, just give me what I deserve. You do not want what you deserve. You want grace. By the way, take a nice deep breath. You got that because of grace. Because you should have been dead. Me too. Grace has protected us, and we're so used to Grace. That we almost trade on grace. And we're so used to grace that when God acts in justice, we can't figure him out. Why did he do it? We're here by grace alone. That song, Amazing Grace, is real. He takes our sin on the cross. Remember, the Father will not look upon sin. What happens when Jesus takes our sin on the cross? Remember, he is light. And when Jesus takes our sin at the middle of the day the earth goes black and remember the words of jesus my god my god you've forsaken me he can sense the presence of god the father turning his back as jesus takes our sin on him because he's holy and when we come before a holy god unholy we're overwhelmed Abraham saw God, Genesis 18. I confess my sins and dust and ashes. Job saw God, he said the same thing. Noah saw God, he said, we'll die, we've seen the Lord. Remember last week Isaiah saw God? Curse me, I'm a dirty man to come from people with dirty mouths. And I mean, Abraham, Job, Noah, Isaiah, this is the Hall of Fame guys. This is the best guys we got. They see God and they throw themselves in the dirt. I'm not worthy what's going on here. Whenever we get a glimpse of his holiness, we are overwhelmed. And so Paul is telling these Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine. I get it. You want to be close to God. That's done only by the Holy Spirit. A huge difference in our lives and therefore now a huge difference in our home behavior. You have mom and dad surrendered to Christ. Really, not just talk. Surrendered to Christ. Everything in the home changes. We talk of fearing the Lord. verses sometimes... Bothers people. Proverbs 1 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are people who say, So wisdom begins when I become afraid of God? I, I should fear my Heavenly Father? That's what the Bible says? Wisdom begins by fearing the Heavenly Father. And there are people who say, you know, I was raised by an abusive dad. I wasn't. I can't identify. But there are people who say, I was raised by an abusive dad. I understand being afraid of dad. And I guess if I'm smart, I'm afraid of my Heavenly Father, who I thought loved me. You see where we paint ourselves in a corner by that verse? Wisdom begins fearing God. The word fear here is, is frankly kind of, poorly translated but it's hard to translate exactly what it would mean but the closest we can come is a positive awe and overwhelmed when does wisdom begin when we are overwhelmed by who he is when does wisdom begin in a positive awe It's more than I can comprehend. It's more than I can take in. I want to surrender to the one that I am overwhelmed by. Wisdom begins by a fear, a positive awe of God. Overwhelmed by his holy. That's where wisdom begins. And that's where the success of the home begins. Homes that have totally collapsed might have missed this part where we are all given to Christ. We haven't just asked for forgiveness. That's huge. But we have moved on from there. I am thrilled at my voice. You're going to hear a lot about them, so just buckle up. <laughs> One and a half and two months, they're beautiful. I, I, I get teary-eyed holding these kids. But frankly, next Christmas, if they look just like this, I'm going to worry that something ain't right. We have brand new believers, brand new that bring Christ in their life. And a year later, they kind of look the same as they did that day. At some point, we got to say, something, something's not jiving. This normal advancement, the normal advancement saying, God, thank you for forgiving of my sins. I surrender me. I want to be overwhelmed. I mean, overwhelmed. Our concept of Jesus is, is a little weird, too. Because we, we, we almost miss this holy Jesus. We almost feel like Jesus is a flower girl at a wedding. Everywhere he goes, he just throws petals of love. Let's go to Galilee for some petals of love. Let's go over, over here for some petals of love. And we'll. Not so. The basic reaction to Jesus once they grasped who he was is the Greek word, thamazo. It means to overwhelm someone. In fact, our word tremor comes out of this word. The best example is the woman who touched the hem of his garment, healing in his wings, and was healed. Jesus draws her out of the crowd. Now, you got to figure, she's thrilled. We're told she's had this disease for 30 years. I mean, 30 years! She's got to be jumping up and down. She's healed. But Scripture gives us her emotion. It's fear. Uses the Greek word "tremo." And this word is used three times in the Bible. It's an Septuagint in the Old Testament for the mountain shaking when Mount Sinai, when Moses gets the law. Same verb is used for the shaking away of the islands and the second coming of Christ. And here, for this woman, she's really shook. Why? Holy. The beginning of wisdom is awe. As she is shaken down to her bones, she sees Jesus as the one that is holy. Even though she is healed, she realizes her unworthiness. So we gotta be holy before Him. We gotta be overwhelmed before Him. If you ended last year exactly where you are spiritually, this year we gotta have a conversation. There's gotta be an ongoing process here. We've gotta be overwhelmed by Him. And when we're overwhelmed by Him, our homes are healthy. No wonder this verse, pre- 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 Pre-tells everything about the future. Husbands and wives, next week. Children, the week after that. Paul says, before you go to those nuts and bolts, don't go there until you've gone here. This is the foundation. Now the building can be built. Is this really a theme? I love this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. May the God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit soul and body. Be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. I am so glad it doesn't say be preserved faultless. Because if I have to be faultless, I got a condo in hell. And so do you. What's the difference between faultless and blameless? Forgiveness. Surrender. It's powerful to recognize we have been forgiven. That's monster. That begins this process. Without that, we're going nowhere. Without without that, you are totally on your own. We have been forgiven. Now, that big word, sanctification, fill me with you. It's almost as if I'm stepping off the throne, and rather than a vacuum, we're inviting him to the throne. Can he be trusted? We're so afraid. Can he really be trusted with all of me? Yeah, but if I do that, he's going to call me to a hut in Africa. I know it. No, he's not. No, he not. One thing I discovered, he gave you gifts. He gave you your desires. You know, every single missionary in a hut somewhere want to be there. It's a natural passion for them. You may discover that your great gifts and your greatest passions Are there anything that God's calling you to? Why would He give you this gift and call you for something else? So you may discover when I totally trust Him with everything in my life, He's going to lead you down the path to the gifts that you have. In fact, for the first time, you are complete in your potential. It's impossible to reach your potential on your own because you may not be clear what your potential is. When I am given over to Christ, I finally am in position to finally recognize all of what I could possibly be. This is Holy Spirit, not religion. This is Holy Spirit, not being religious. It's not jumping up and down in church. It's having a relationship where I have surrendered. Let's stand together this morning. Father, we want to Understand your word. I mean, why did you give it to us if we weren't supposed to understand it? And Father, I pray for that person that has never given their life to you. Every blessing in the Bible is not for them. They are spiritually on their own by their own choice. We're not here to belittle anybody, but truth is truth. And sometimes truth isn't all that fun. And they can feel the love of God, that grace, that grace, Whispering to them, begin the journey. There may be some that just need to, need to cry out from their soul. God, I have been spiritually lonely. And I've sinned like everybody else. Forgive me. Forgive me. And your promise, he who cometh unto me, I will no wise cast out. You didn't die on the cross to tell us No. I will in no wise cast out. I will hear and answer that prayer. You love us. You love us. Your grace. You love us. God in heaven, forgive me. Let me begin the journey. And Father, I pray for those that, frankly, have begun the journey and have never moved. God in heaven, I have merely invited you in to share something I step off my throne. In a spiritual image, I see myself literally getting off the power of my life and turning myself over to you. I bow before you as the one that is my Savior and I want to be holy before you. Forgiveness we've done, me and you. Let me be holy. Let me be surrendered. I no longer need a resident. I need you. Because this is how I'm going to build my home and build thy future. Father, I praise you for your power. I praise you for the stillness. It's pretty clear you are here as we've studied the power of your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. A tradition we've begun going out saying a verse together. You probably guessed it, First Peter 1 Peter 1:15 and 16. Let's say it together. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Next week, let's break it down. What's the role of husbands and the role of wives? Do not come armed next Sunday. (laughs) God bless you. Thank you for worshiping with us today.